You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Freshwater Bite Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. And I just want to start off this episode by saying thank you to the listeners out there and everyone who's written in, DM me, commented on my posts on the website. Uh, I really appreciate it, guys, and all the interactions out there. And if you haven't done so, I would encourage you to reach out, DM me, um, head over to the website. You can email me there and ask any questions or topics that you want to hear more about bodies of water, species to target, anything, gear reviews. And, uh, you know, maybe your your topic might get featured on an episode in the near future. So I really appreciate it. I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. But on this episode, we talk more in depth about handline. And Wes Smith from the Metro Detroit Walleye Stalkers, I had him on a few episodes ago before Christmas back in the fall and uh he reached out to me and said hey we're doing a live or we're doing a demo a seminar at domka Bates in monroe michigan and we'd like you to come out and record the podcast so that way everyone can hear the seminar and i thought it was a great idea sign me up so i shot down to monroe michigan and i recorded the live seminar that they were having on handlining and it's handlining 101 and a little bit above that takes you to the next level as you know, a couple episodes ago, I had Bill Shimoda on here, and it's you know it's a very intimidating technique to do, but these guys break it down for you exactly how you need to get set up, what kind of boat, what kind of reel you need, uh, depths, weights, leader lengths, pound tests, everything, lures. They go over everything for you guys. There's so much in this podcast that you guys can learn. It's a little bit longer, but I think it's going to be one that you pause and play over and over to get set up for handlining in the near future. So here we go. Okay, guys, we're going to get started with today's event with the uh, handlining seminar presented by Domka Bates. And uh, first off, we're just going to go through introductions up here. I'll start with myself. My name is Lee Kleino. I am the host of the Freshwater Bite podcast, and uh, I'm up here today to record this for everybody else listening who's not here. Um, believe it or not, there's actually thousands of people that listen to this podcast, so there's not just you guys in the room, but there's going to be a lot of others out there. We're going to save all of our questions to the end of the event. Um, if you have any questions at the end, just speak up. I'm probably going to repeat your question then after, and it's going to be part of the podcast so that way everybody else can hear it, um, you know, in, in, in the post edit and things like that. But we're going to start with introductions. I'll start right here to my right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming out today. My name is Philip Kirk. Um, I'm from Taylor, Michigan. I've been handlining roughly about nine years um, in the Detroit River and Lake St. Clair. Uh, so thank you again for coming out. Yep, and then over here, Wes. How you doing? Um, my name is Wes Smith, uh, founder of the Metro Detroit Walleye Stalkers uh, Facebook group. 
Um, and essentially, um, I put this uh, kind of event together today because uh, this is what I started out doing. How I started out fishing for walleye is handlining. So, um, uh, and that was, gosh, almost 25 years ago or better, close to 30 years now. I've uh, I've been uh, fishing for walleye, and so um, it's a technique that I think uh, in this uh, day and time that um, is um, kind of dying off and uh, not too. Um, well utilized, so I uh, figured out uh, we put this together and uh, try to uh, let everyone know that this is uh, definitely a technique that can uh, definitely put some fish in the boat. Okay, go ahead, Darren. Hi, I'm Darren Hoffman, uh, part of Roadside Minnows, and um, I've been hand landing on the river for roughly around 25 years now. And uh, like Wes said, we just want to show everybody it's a very effective way to catch fish when the water's dirty and everybody else is jigging and you can't catch them, this is it. Uh, I mainly fish Detroit River, uh, Lake St. Clair and St. Clair River, uh, but this is more effective in the river fishing and that's what we wanna show. Do any so, of you guys know the history of it? Of kind of like where it started? But well, my grandfather started doing it in Detroit River around 1942, so I'm third generation. And that's the second generation right there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'd say roughly around the 40s it started. Okay, so then why don't you guys describe what kind of setup you mean and, and, and start just exactly with uh, the type of boat that you would want to run with this because I would assume that, you know, not all boats in, in all sizes would be able to, to, to run this kind of hand lining setup. But if you want to talk about is, is smaller better or the bigger boats better just kind of talk about what you guys think uh personally i started out in just a little 14 foot 10 aluminum boat um and that's uh that's ideally your most uh, perfect setup to be honest with you uh if you're running a larger boat you want something that has a more of a lower side uh um hold it if it's not so high because uh you gotta you're pretty much you're sitting down or you need some real long arms if that's the case um but it's a technique to where you're sitting down in the boat um, the whole time. And uh, so um, you definitely, um, something of a smaller size is uh, definitely a perfect for this technique style boat. What about you, Phil? What do you run? As well, I started out, um, I got a 14-foot Duracraft with a little 15-horse Mercury on it. I got my hand lines mounted up front, so when I'm pulling in the line, you know, it automatically recoils, which we'll show you guys the reels in a little while. But... Uh, Basically, the smaller the boat, the better handling you can have out on the river. And I think boat control is probably 95% um, of part of the efficiency in catching these fish. Because uh, without the boat control, you're not really staying in the current, and, you know, and uh, you're, not, you're not handling the boat. So uh, I believe the smaller the boat, the better uh, um, handling you're going to have, and you're going to catch more fish. Yeah, like Wes said, um, you know, you got to have a, something with small sides because you're actually sitting on the side of the boat or in the back and you want your hand hanging out the side of the boat. Um, it's not something that's done inside the boat like you would be holding a fishing pole. Um, I run a 20-foot, well, 19.6 Tiller Pro V Lund. And being a tiller, I'm already in the back of the boat. <clears throat> As PJ said, they're in the front of the boat, the reels. So you want to be away from your reel probably five foot, four foot at the mo at the least. So you can be able to let line up because they're spring loaded, like we said, we'll show later. 
Um, you want the line to be able to go up inside. You don't want to be sitting right next to the reel. Uh, but a lake boat, it'd be a little harder. Um, the main thing is, is being able to steer. So if you go from a boat that has a steering wheel to a tiller, you have to have something you have to be able to steer with. So some guys actually use their front trolling motor Okay. Uh, with the remotes. Yep. Yeah, you can do it. If you have a bigger boat with a bow mount, um, and you know, if, uh, with remote steering, it still can be done in some of the larger boats as well. So, it, um, you know, it, it's still a way, a, a useful technique, no matter uh, kind of what size your boat is, essentially. Got you. Okay, so then let's start going through the setup and let's get to the 101 basics. So, you know, for me personally, I've never handlined. So for me, it's, it, it's very intriguing because as I'm out on the Detroit River, you always, if the fish and you're jigging and the fish are not biting for some reason, you'll see this guy that comes through on that 14 foot uh, boat with the tiller hand lining and he's reeling in the fish one after another. And probably for the last four or five years, I always tell myself, I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna teach myself to hand line, hand line. But it's intimidating and it, it, it doesn't have to be. So that's why I think, you know, Wes put on this seminar to kind of bring back this lost art of of hand lining and get more people into it because it is very effective. And like they said earlier, it could be the difference between getting fish in the boat and not getting the fish in the boat on a neutral or negative bite day. So I guess start with the basic 101 if there, and if you want to start with your setup, um, you know, just kind of go through the checklist of what you think people should start uh, going to their local bait shops to buy or, or, or whatever. Well, today we're at Domka. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a horse in my voice. Uh, we're at Domka, and they actually sell a lot of the stuff here. They sell the hand lining reels and the pencil plugs, spoons, and floating wraps, or rapalas. And <clears throat> what we normally do is we use a pound to a pound and a half sinker on the bottom. Now, you can see I have stretched across there that metal wire with the leads tied to it. That's called the shank. And that's a six foot shank. So I can go anywhere from 12 inches off the bottom up to six foot off the bottom. So I'm covering the water column. Uh, the one thing about it, I say it's glorified trolling because when you're trolling, you're in 30 foot of water. You put your baits out at 15 in the water column because that's where you want to catch the fish. That's where they're feeding. So if you use a shorter shank, you're keeping closer to the bottom. With that, you can come up. Uh, if you get two three-foot leads, you can put them together. It's not a big deal. I just happen to make my own because I don't like <clears throat> to have beads on it because if I go through the weeds, the beads will grab the weeds and then I'm pulling weeds around. Now, with trolling, you have to set out your lure and if you wanna go shallow, you have to bring it in, pull your board off, put your board back on and reset everything. With this, I can go from eight foot to 40 foot. And all I have to do is let line out or bring line in. And you're covering more ground than jigging or anything else other than trolling. But good luck trying to troll. Like he said, in the river, there's a lot of people fishing. I can go in between two boats with this and not have to worry about a big spread of six boards out. I can scoot right in between everybody and catch fish. PJ, what kind of uh, depths are you kind of targeting, and when do you switch to like hand lining versus another technique? Um, personally, I hand line year round from mid March all the way until November. Um, it's a 
quantity type of style of fishing. Okay. If you want to catch quantities, hand lining is your meal ticket. Um, the bigger fish that I've catch, I catch jigging. But if I want to go out and just catch a quick limit, I'll go out hand lining. But I fish year round with this technique. Uh, um, all the way up uh, last year until uh, December 15th, I think, was the last day I fished. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, w I will use this technique year-round, uh, sun up to sun down. Um, if I want to get away from the wife and kids who, you know, fortunately lets me go out all the time and, you know, takes care of the kids, uh, I will go out at night, and you, c you can produce limits within just a few hours, if, if, even when the fish aren't biting that hot. You can go out there and really get a limit um, right at dusk. Okay. What about you? When do you, Wes? When do you switch to hand lining? If, if you're on the river, give us a situation where you're going to be like um, switch over to hand lining. Honestly, um, for me personally, uh, water's real dirty, and it's a real tough bite. And marking fish, uh, you know they're there. Uh, you see a lot of fish suspended, um, and you're really not going for a jig bite. Uh, that's when I'll switch over to hand lining. Yeah, so it sounds like if you're looking at your graph and they're suspended and they're not right on that bottom, you know, those jiggers out there most likely for the most part are going to be on the bottom. That's what I've kind of found. Like even though you're marking them and you're going through the river, you can start to move in and out of the deeps or the shallows. But when the hand liners come through, it sounds like you can set that depth exactly where you want it to be in the water column and those guys just, just rake them in. So uh, oh, 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 go ahead. I think with uh, and the difference between jigging and handlining is that handlining your lures stay in the strike zone longer. Right. So jigging, you're kind of coming down with the current, trying to stay vertical. With handlining, you can position your boat where you want to and keep that lure in the strike zone longer, so it's in front of the fish longer instead of moving past at a uh, you know 10 or 15 foot you know, per second gotcha. drift, you can stay in front of that fish. So I think that's why it's so productive as well. Okay. We'll start taking us through the setup then. How we get this thing set up in our boat? Well, first thing you want, you're going to want to mount. Um, that mount right there that Domka have, they usually just, you can do it right on the side of your boat. Uh, I like to have my reel about six to eight inches out the side of my boat because you're going to be sticking your arm out and it'll be in line with your arm a little bit. Okay. Um, the shank that's right there, you can see that it has different D-rings all the way down. That one set at about three and a half, four, oh, about four foot off the bottom. And the top lead is always gonna be longer than the bottom lead. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna step down on sizes. I'll run my top lead anywhere from 25 foot to 30 foot. The next lead down, I'll run to 15 and then 10 on the bottom. Now there's also been times where the bite's a little rough and I'll shorten it up to a foot. A foot above the sinker and a foot back with a small Rapala. What's that, number five? Yeah, number fives, five. yep, or a spoon. You know, spoons aren't much bigger than that, but they have great action in the water. Like, like they were saying, um, you know, a lot of what we do is when the water is dirty. So you want to use bright colors or dark colors. Dark colors cast a bigger silhouette in the water for the fish to see. 
a lot of what I run is purple or black, most of the colors. Um, what you want to do is, you see, a lot of people have beads, and some people actually put snap swivels on to where it's faster to connect to. Well, if you set it up the way I have it, you can just put a snap swivel on it yourself instead of having it on the shank. So there's two different ways to do it. That's probably the easiest way because you can take them right off your shank and put everything in the boat. Um, if you fish St. Clair River, they jump up to about two pounds, two and a half pounds sometimes. You get really tired pulling that around. <laughs> That'll wear your arm out fast. And that's, um, just, and that's just because of the current? Well, yeah, I mean, there you're fighting with a current that's about 12 miles an hour, 10 to 12. Okay. I'd say our current's anywhere from eight to 10. Yeah, six to seven on Detroit River, I'd say probably your average. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go do this in other rivers like Saginaw, which has a much slower current. Uh, just drop down and wait. Yeah, I mean, just that's that's just adjusting your weight, just depending on the on the current. Um, but yeah, honestly, in my opinion, just from the, personally from the rivers that I've fished between Detroit and St. Clair, Saginaw. Um, I mean, honestly, Detroit probably has tends to have the fastest current, most heaviest current um, out, of, out of out of those rivers. Uh, so you kind of tend to want to use some of the, you know, heavier weights depending on which part of the river you're fishing. PJ, what weight do you use? Um, I go between one pound and a pound and a half. Um, if I can show you guys real quick. Yeah, here. go ahead. All right, guys, uh, I see a lot of handliners out here that I just currently met and a few guys that have fished with me. Um, I'm just going to kind of show you, for if there's any newbies in here, kind of how we sit in the boat and, and kind of like the technique we use when we're handlining. So, for instance, here's the back of my 14-footer. My handline reel is probably, you know, six feet away. And then with the uh, weight of the sinker, the line's going to go out. So what, you, what you're going to want to do is just let it slide through your fingers here. And uh, you're going to hit the bottom. And then basically, you're just going to hold it, and you're going to kind of, I call it chug, or you're going to bottom bounce. And then you're going you're gonna, to uh, keep doing this repetitively, and you never want to let your sinker drag on the bottom. That was going to be one of my questions. Are you tapping the bottom or yeah. are you letting it drag? Because as the bottom of the Detroit River, certain areas you get into, you could probably get snagged up pretty yep. easily. So as you can see, this one here is, uh, is a sinker that I use in rocky areas. And so you're just bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. So every couple seconds. And then what I tend to do is if I feel like there's a fish down there, which I hope there is, I just kind of stall the bait. And then I'll, I'll, I'll give it a nice tug forward to get some movement, and then I'll let the bait back down. And then I'll do that repetitively. And then probably, I'd say, what, 75 to 80% of your strikes come when that lure is kind of stalled or drifting back. Yep. Um, and then also, when you're trolling, you want to, we call it the sawtooth motion. So you're, you're going back and forth in the river 
using the sawtooth motion or movements with your boat. And that way you can see if you're going too fast or slow to where if you're catching a fish on the turn and it's on the inside, you know that bait's going slower than your outs than if you have somebody fishing with you on the outside. Just like pulling planer boards. If you're catching a fish on the turn, that outside bait goes faster than your inside. So um, that's how we kind of keep track of our speeds, which I do about 0.8 to 1.4. Okay. Miles an hour, um, and other people could say they do one five to one seven, which, you know, depending on the day and the clarity of the water, could, you know, produce fish. Absolutely. But uh, just basically, that's how I have my boat set up, and and kind of some of the technique, which we can answer questions later on that, of how, you know, we fish there. Um, can you adjust the tension on the reel? Um, you know, personally, I'm not sure. I don't think so. It comes pre-spun uh, okay. pre or spooled. Um, this particular reel is an A&S, which is made down in the uh, city of uh, Ecorse. So it's made right here in the state of Michigan. But everything is set up, ready to go right out of the box. It is, okay. Darren, what speed do you typically go at on the, in the river? Are you trying to aim for uh, I shoot from anywhere from 0.8 to 0.2 or 3. Okay. three um, the one thing I've noticed that if you're going too fast, you start catching junk fish, um, as in silver bass or sheephead, you know, things that we're not actually targeting. Uh, I like, I'd say our, my best speed is about 1, 2 okay. normally. Um, one of the biggest things I've seen is that you have to make sure your lures are tuned. When you put your lure in the water... Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, when you put it in the water, you usually want to put it down, and you want to pull it two times faster than what you're going to go. Rip it. But you want to make sure your line's going straight. If you got your arm going out like this, the lure's going to go out. But you want to make sure you rip it straight. Now, when you rip it straight, if your lure's going off to one side, you want to take the front of that lure and tweak it the opposite side. You don't have to turn it very much, just a little bit. But you want it to run true to where it's wobbling straight. And that's another thing. Back in the day, they didn't have the fish finders that we have now. So they didn't know how fast they were going. They could look at shore and maybe guess. But what they did was they looked at the action of their lures. If it was going straight and not doing a lot, they'd speed up and they'd start moving a little bit more. That's why spoons are great because you don't have to tune them. You can just throw them on <laughs> most of the time. Uh, now, if you look up here, you also see that we have pencil plugs. You know, you don't see these a lot anywhere else in the state of Michigan, unless they're over in St. Clair, where they do whipping. Uh, that's where they use a rod instead of a reel like we do. Okay. Or they call it chugging. There's a lot of different names for it. But these pencil plugs here, they don't have a lot of action. They have a little bit of action, but not much. But you really don't have to tune these ever. Now, Night Stalker is one of the companies that makes them. They sell them here, too. They're not easy to find, so if you see them, pick them up. You'll never know when you're going to use them. One of the biggest things is definitely making sure your lures that are running straight. And they have a tool here. I don't know if they have it here, but I know most stores, they have it. Who's that made by? Oh, Is that made by Church? No, Offshore. Offshore. Yeah, offshore oh, offshore makes that. Um, it's a lot easier than using a pair of needle-nose pliers and breaking off the front of your lure. 
because we've all done that. <laughs> now, as PJ said about hand lining with the sinkers, you can see a lot of our sinkers here have this metal wire. That helps a lot when you're going over rocks because you're not dropping the weight down inside of a rock. You're just tipping across the top of it. It's like a bottom bouncer for everybody listening. It looks like a huge, I don't know. <laughs> huge <laughs> bottom bouncer. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a torpedo. Yeah, exactly. Bottom bouncer with a big, thick wire on the bottom of it. Now, if you come up here and look after we're done talking, you'll see I have some that do not have a wire coming out the back of them. Okay. Now, I use those in muddy areas because if you do any ice fishing, they always tell you to pound the bottom, stir it up. Yep. It's the same thing. You're just stirring the bottom up. And usually if you have a spot that has a muddy bottom or a soft bottom, you're going to run into weeds. And you don't want to be pulling weeds around. Got you. You're not going to be productive pulling weeds around at all. Just like if you're trolling, same thing. You'll know your board will start to run a little weird. You'll know on this because you'll feel it. You'll feel an extra drag. I've got, I've got a question. When you're running your baits on the same side, and you said you're using two different size lures for the top one and the bottom one, do you typically do you typically stick with the same type of bait? So if you're running, do you run two Rapalas, and then you'll run two different size stick baits and things like that? Uh, no, I change it up a lot. I'll run a... Like, can a, you run like a spoon and a Rapala? Or yep. No? yep okay. You can Absolutely. run a spoon, a Rapala, definitely. Uh, a lot of times I've been running a Rapala, and a spoon is more of effective. So I'll switch to a spoon. Okay. That's one way to weed out the baits that the fish don't want because we may think it looks good it doesn't matter what we think it's what the fish want Wes what do you run um typically um I, I started out running a um learning how to use just basically a pencil plug and a spoon um that's that's kind of what uh my grandmother taught me uh so uh yeah that that was where my go-to um then over the years, just uh, kind of upgraded, and uh, nowadays I'll stick with the, the Rapala F9s, F7s. Okay. Um, and still there are days where I run those in combination with a spoon as well. PJ, what about you? Yep, I, uh, my go-to is a uh, F7 or F9 um, earlier in the season. Um, Purple Descent, that, that thing is a killer out there on uh, the Detroit River, and the clown pattern as well. That those are my two go-to and then um if those don't seem to work i'll go with a night stalker and uh i'll, I'll run a night stalker on top because that gives me a glide action and my rapala will dig a little bit so i run my rapala on the bottom and a night stalker on the top and if that night stalker starts catching fish i'll switch to two night stalkers as well okay so there's a lot of uh test and go of what the fish are biting on and then you guys kind of switch your whole program over to that and then Hopefully it takes off from there. Absolutely. So, so, so the next question that I have, just being green to all this, can you guys talk about snag stories <laughs> and how to and, and how to get out of that? Because I know it's in the back of my mind if I were to start doing this, and if I'm the only guy in the boat, I'm out there by myself, and I'm on my tiller back there, I'm gonna have a, you know, a no crap moment. Well, if you if you talk to some of the old school guys and. Uh, you know, you go to shake their hand, they, they're usually like this, you know, because they've lost half a digit. But you're one of the lucky ones. But uh, Smart ones. So, so basically, um, if I... Hey. Yeah, go ahead. So basically, when you're, when you're, when you're hand lining, you're holding the line with two or three fingers 
And what happens is guys get lazy and they wrap that around their hand when they get the bottom. Well, they wrap that around their, their finger and their sinker gets stuck. And unless you're quick on the trigger finger, you're going to be cut or you're going to, yeah, you're going you're to lose it. So you never, I don't care what you're doing, you never want to wrap that around your finger. Okay. Because if that sinker does get stuck, you're, you're hurting. It, unless you really catch it super quick. But uh, here, let me give this back. Yeah, as far as um, if you get stuck because you are pulling a pound and a half sinker and you are moving at a mile an hour. Right. Uh, the best thing you can do is throw the line back because what it's going to do, it's going to create slack in the line and hopefully it pops out. If not, you better tell your partner to get his line up really quick. And then you turn and you do a circle. <clears throat> you do a circle and come back to it. And the whole time you're trying to just jerk on the line like if you were jigging and you ever get a snag, same thing. But usually most of the time when you do a circle and you come back to it, if it's really stuck and you haven't got it out by that time, you'll usually get it out. Can you kill the motor and just start to float back down the river to get on the opposite side mm -hmm. of it? No, um, if you do that, you usually run into another boat because <laughs> there's right. a lot of boats out there. You know, walleye season Detroit River is... Oh yeah, it's crowded. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's warfare, that's for sure. Uh, but one of the biggest things is, is just like PJ said, don't ever wrap your hand around the line. Okay. Never, never. That's the worst thing you could ever do. Um, it's not worth it. If, if it's really stuck and you got all these other guys out there jigging in the river, sometimes you just got to cut your losses, grab your line, always keep a pair of wire snips with you. I usually keep one or two in the boat tied to the side of the boat so they don't ever get lost. And you can reach up just when you cut your line, make sure you're holding on to above where you cut or it will go back up in your reel because they're spring loaded. Okay. Yeah. And yep. you can always tie on. Yep. It's and not worth messing up everybody else's fishing and maybe running into somebody's boat if you're not paying attention when you turn really fast. And even though, you know, I'm a professional and never get snagged, said no one ever. Um, yeah, I also use a circle back technique. If I'm by myself, I'll turn into my line to where my line is next to me. So I always <laughs> keep an eye on it. And once you get straight up and down, remember this cable, 65 pound cable in, in these reels. So, you know, you can refine it, but once you drift back, just like jigging, once you drift back, you should be able to come up and get it out pretty easily. Um, and if your lure's snagged, you're only fishing with 20 pound leaders. Yeah, you can get those out as well, but sometimes you'll lose a, lead, uh, a lure and you just retie and you're on your way. But yeah, if your sinker does get stuck, just circle back around, come, come past it, and then troll back up to it and, and just jerk on it and it comes out 98% of the time. Oh, yeah. Same thing, Wes? Same thing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much how I was taught in Phillips um, and yeah, that's pretty much he said it. Yeah, there's that's a standard operating procedure there. Okay. Darren, what you got down there? Oh, I was just... Oh, uh, okay. You can see uh, one of these lures I have up here. Now, when you're doing this, you're pulling a lure through a lot of fish most of the time. Now there's an occasional muskie that hangs out there and you can see what they'll do to these baits. I mean, this has got teeth marks on it. Like you wouldn't believe chunks missing out of it. That's another thing like with he says wrapping it. If you wrap your hand around it and a muskie grabs it, 
it'll it'll rip your finger off. If not, it'll peel your skin off. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, one of the main things is always make sure you're holding onto your line. You don't ever want it slipping through your hands. You kind of just want to hold it up with one finger, and that's going to be your best. Instead of holding it with your whole hand, you're not going to get as much feeling. If you ever seen some of the old school guys, what they'll do is when they're jigging with the rod or they're fishing, they'll actually put their finger on the line because you're going to feel more. So if you're holding that whole line in your hand, you're not going to feel anything. And with this, you don't feel much. It's not like uh, a slam hit or anything. You're just going to feel a tick. And you have to distinguish that from the bottom. Okay. So when you do that, what you want to do is just pull the line forward in a forward motion. You don't have to yank it like you're trying to set the hook really hard because those fish are already moving and you're moving. So when they grab it, it's just like trolling. You never grab the rod and set the hook. You grab the rod, you wait for the line, and then you pull the rod back. You don't have to set the hook most of the time. They do it themselves. Where do you guys see other anglers starting off with this? Where do they go wrong most of the time? They think they know everything. Yeah. Yeah, some of them. Um, but I think uh, I, I think they just don't go out and put research into it and ask questions and look for some of the best guys around. You know, you, you like, you know, Theron and his dad, I mean, two, three generations there that you don't hear that anymore. Right. You know, it's, it's a lost art. Um, but I, I think that people that are just getting into it, don't be afraid to go out and go to seminars or, or join, like, say, some of the Downriver Walleye Federations, um, you know, Domka Outdoors, come, you know, come and ask just guys that do it, hey, would you mind coming out on my boat or can I go out with you on your boat and show me the ropes? Um, the, the gentleman I learned from, his name was Mark Schaller, and uh, his great uncle invented the Schaller reels back in 1942, and he still fishes with one of his original reels. So I'm like, all right. I want to learn this uh, technique. And he outfished me 20 to 1 that day. I said, well, this ain't very fun. So I called around and asked another guy to take me out. Hey, can I go out with you? And I finally caught my first limit. And then from there, I'm like, okay, so don't be afraid to ask questions either. Like when you're out with somebody that, that knows what they're doing, ask questions. Pick their brains. Like, what am I doing wrong? Or ask them, what are you doing? You know, because, yeah, I might have my way, but you're going to develop your own way and and tweak your way and then you go out you know with Theron or Mr. Smith there and and they're going to have their ways so you take a little bit from me and those guys and put it in your own technique and next thing you know you're out there catching limits and filling your freezers and and everything but I, I, I think they just don't put research into it enough what do you guys see go wrong most guys go wrong their setups I would say the biggest setup is uh, the problem is people go out there and they just start driving around aimless, aimlessly. Uh, what you want to do when you go to a body of water is you want to look for the contours. And that's one of the ways I fish the river. I'm going to drop anywhere from 8 to 40 foot. Uh, I want to cover as much ground as possible. So I'm going to go upstream because this is something you're going to do going upstream. Right, yeah. You can cut across the current, um, but you got to kind of go up while you're doing it. Coming downstream is not easy. It can be done, but you better have a few years before you start doing that. Uh, 
what I like to do is I like to come into a spot. If I know there's a hole up ahead of me, that's I'm running 20 foot and I know that there's a hole up there that's 35. Before I get to that hole, I'm gonna start to position myself to where those baits, when I turn, are gonna drop in that hole. So when I make my turn, those baits are gonna drop in that hole and speed up. Because when you turn, one side speeds up, one side slows down. I can drop in there, come back around, and then come back up again. So what you're doing is you're working the bottom. You're working all the contours, the drop-offs, everything. It's the best way to find fish. With jigging, you're running a straight line. You may know there's a hole there, and you're going to try to hold your boat as much as possible. You may have three guys in the boat, but if you go over at Handline and you got two guys in the boat with four lures running through there. Right. Yeah, um, me personally, I think the probably most common, uh, I'll say shortcoming that I think most guys are just jumping into this is uh, leads. Um, just, uh, you know, you got to, uh, one thing I highly suggest is, you know what, uh, change your leads, you know, uh, use different leads. Don't just uh, get stuck on uh, one set lead length. Um, you know what, there's going to be uh, different leads for different occasions. Um, there's going to be days of where the long leads are, are what's going to be putting fish in the boat, and some days uh, much shorter than what you think. Um, so to, uh, don't don't be afraid to uh, switch up the leads. Darren, is that what you have out over there? Is just different length leads? Yeah, I have them labeled here because we do this at night a lot. Okay, you know, so you got to see what you're getting your hands on. Uh, I I label all my stuff, and I'll usually have three or four of these cards. Uh, that's another thing. In the middle of the night when you're trying to fish and you're trying to keep the boat running and everything and you want to change, uh, your partner can still be fishing. Now, I can pull this out and say, okay, I know that that lead is 10 foot. Um, you know, I constantly switch all night, even unless I'm catching fish and I know I'll be switching nonstop. I've run up to 40 foot lead on top before. Wow. That's a lot of line to pull in. But sometimes that's what the fish want. And that's one of the things that Wes said. You have to play with it. You have to figure out what the fish want. It's a constant changing thing, just like trolling. How many times are you out trolling and you're changing your baits? Right. You're usually going through your whole box half the time. Unless you find the one that works, then you're putting two of them on. Then you wish you had more. Yeah, and then you go buy more and you never catch another fish on that color again. (laughs) Um, Did you go over the pound test that you have hooked up to your leads? Uh, no, I don't think we talked about that. Yeah, let's go over that a little bit. I use 30-pound fluorocarbon. Okay. Uh, the reason I use fluorocarbon is because it still has a little bit of stretch, but not much, but it's abrasive uh, resistant. Gotcha. You're not going to get the, like I showed you with the muskie here. Yeah, there's a lot of times where that happens. I've gone out there, caught three or four muskie in a night, and your hand's so tired, you just give up on walleye fishing. When you look and your line... <clears throat> your line's dead even with you and you're going a mile and a half an hour and you got a pound and a half sinker on there, you know you got a muskie. Uh, so yeah, the leads uh, are usually 25 to 30. I've tried to go less on the line um, size-wise and it, you just end up breaking lures off. Uh, I, I roughly run 25 to 30. Now don't be afraid to run uh, high-vis line you know, green or blue or something that's easier for you to see. It doesn't bother the fish. Uh, they don't see that. You're moving in a mile and a half an hour, you know. The shanks that we run, I run 40-pound 
or 45 pound on the cable. Okay. But they're 65 on the reels. Wes, what do you run? Um, yeah, typically, um, pretty much uh, for my my leads, I've I've gone something. I usually get something of a smaller diameter, um, but uh, usually at 20, 25 pound. But uh, if I can run in that 15, 18 pound diameter uh, range, is what I'm usually using. Same thing, fluorocarbon. Uh, fluorocarbon, yeah. Um, um, and then for my uh, shanks, usually a uh, 45 pound uh, uh, for my shanks is typically what I'm using, uh, wire. PJ? Um, I run a 20 to 25 pound Mason um, Hardline. Um, no memory, no stretch, because uh, when you're out there in the boat and you're running, say, a 20 foot and a 40 foot, and you bring in your sinker and you got 20 feet in the boat, and then you're bringing in your 40 foot, you don't want any memory in there. So whenever you let it back out, it's going out just as straight, you know, as you bring it in. But 20 to 25 Mason hardline, and the shanks are pretty standard, 40, 45 pound. Um, anywhere from three to five foot is what I run, depending on um, what body of water or how deep I'm or how deep I'm fishing. Okay, should we open up some questions? You guys got some questions? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> Not new to it, but it's been a long time. When my father passed away, I inherited all this stuff. Also, now I'm back into it as of last year. Um, the problem I'm running into is is getting staying. In, I don't want to say contact with bottom, but I'm lower. I lower down, and it seems like my weight's swinging way too far up. Either there's not enough weight, uh, or or you know I'm off. I've always heard 45 degrees is kind of what you're shooting for. Right. Kind of like you guys. I grew up with my dad on the river. He used to drop me off. Anyways, spent a lot of time down there as a kid, so so I can't get that 45. And so if I slow down, what I'm figuring out is that my lure's not running right, right? Trying to maintain that angle. So what, what am I doing wrong, man? <laughs> <laughs> not, enough, not enough weight on the bottom. Yeah. Or? Do you know what size weight you're running? Same as you guys, pound pound and a half. I got you know, I got my dad's stuff, so it's all pretty much the gauntlet. The gauntlet, yeah. The yeah. So yeah, before you answer, I'm just going to repeat his question. So so what the so what the question was was he's saying that as he's he wants to know what he's doing wrong because he's having a tough time staying in contact with the bottom and he feels like his weight's kind of swinging up. Too much line out behind him. Okay. That usually means that you have too much line out. Uh, if you're not touching bottom, what it is is. When you put the sinker down, you're you're letting more line out because you're not feeling bottom, right? What you got to do is you got to pull more line in. Um, that's one thing I always do is because I'm no I'm not perfect. I'm not an amazing fisherman by any means. <laughs> None of us are. Uh, but pull your line in. Don't ever be afraid to pull your line in and drop it back down. Um, now you said you're running copper tube. Have you been watching your speed at all on your uh, GPS? Maintaining right around one-ish, you know, and then and zigzagging through the current, and, you know, same thing my father talking to the kid. Probably 
Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Theron, you know, because yeah. sometimes when I look back and I'm like, oh, man, I should be at the bottom and your sinker's just kind of floating away back there, you know, just kind of, you know, just ticking and talking here and there. Again, if you bring it in, reset and, and just watch your speed or if, or if you go up like a quarter pound, that should get you down and, and a little bit more 45. Um, but I, I think, again, you might have a little bit too much line out and it's just, you didn't feel it, and it just laid down on the bottom. And then as you're picking it up, you're not getting that good contact with the bottom. So reset, go back down. As soon. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, or you let it down too fast, and you didn't catch up with it. So just nice and easy. You know, I do hint. Yeah, go ahead, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's for me. I'd say that's probably uh, a good rule of thumb. I've heard that. That's kind of not, um, you know, my grandmother back in the day. Wes, repeat his question of what he was asking so that way everyone can hear it on the other side. Um, podcast who's listening. Yeah, um, pretty much. Question is, um, you know, is um, he's trying to figure out. Uh, how much line to get out lead length um and essentially um you know what uh there there the, the kind of calculation the mathematics for it um varies for me i'm one that where um my grandmother taught me to kind of study current uh and just kind of um i'm, I'm so i'm i'm looking at how fast the current is going uh kind of to, to determine uh how much uh lead to use so um uh my first probably 15 20 minutes of fishing is just really um trying to figure out current and, and just adjustments i'm going to make before i'm even starting to fish Where do you start at? um like i said uh to me varies i personally uh so i'll, I'll usually start my my top one out at 20 and then um uh 12 Mm-hmm. Yep, and then uh, second one just kind of um, to me, I'll, I'll probably usually in that eight to ten, uh, ten foot, and then um, for my second lead, and then it just kind of goes goes from there, depending on the current. And and for me, like uh, since I use a five foot shank, and I think just by reading articles and talking to everybody else, like 15, 15 on the bottom, thirty on the top, uh, foot leads is a pretty good go-to. Um, so on my five foot shank, I am basically, I'm gonna say four feet up. So I run a 40 foot lead on four foot. So I'm every 10 inches per foot, if, if that makes sense. So, so I'm, or yeah, so if I'm four foot up on my shank, I'm running a 40 foot lead. Um, and then if I run a 30 foot lead, I'm three feet up and then I run my, th my 30 foot lead. Um, and then I run a 15 about, I think they're set up for 12 inches on the bottom. So I'm a foot for my 15 and a foot up for my twenties is how my shanks are, are made. Yeah. I, on the fly, uh, I do a lot of mine in 12 foot section or, um, uh, 12 inch sections, a foot section. 
So I can look at that one and say I'm a foot off the bottom. I can look at the next one and say I'm two foot off the bottom. You know, that's the way I do it because it's quicker and I don't have to do a lot of math. I do that 50 hours out of the week at work. So <laughs> when I'm fishing, I kind of want to just do it fast. Um, you can see that I have it all the way up that shank. Now you can actually put a line all the way at the top where you connect to that. Don't be afraid to. I mean, that's putting you up at six foot top of the water. Um, later in the year when the water warms up, the fish will start to rise because they don't need to be on the bottom. And uh, uh, there's times where I'll run all the way at the top. Yeah, at night. Yeah, yeah at, at night, night too. they come up. And earlier I mentioned eight foot of water. I know it sounds weird um, to go trolling in eight foot of water, but I've gone less. I've mm-hmm. gone into five, four foot. I mean, you got to drop down in your weight if you're continuing to fish that depth. But sometimes I'll come right up a, a huge shelf, and when I drop back down the other side, fish are sitting right there. I'd start your leads out anywhere. Keep it simple. Go 25, 15, 10. Um, if you're noticing that you might be missing the fish, like you're feeling it, but you're missing it, extend your top lead out a little bit more. Uh what it is, you're, you're leaving more for the fish to catch up to you. That's why you heard me say earlier, I've run a 40 foot before. Sometimes the fish aren't that aggressive. So when they, they see that fish, that uh, the first or second lure go by or the first one, they've seen it, but they're not moving as fast. So when you give it a little bit line back there, they're gonna see that other one and come after it. It's giving them a little bit of a delay. You just got to play with it. And if you're having problems finding a bottom, go up and wait. When you go jigging with somebody on the river, I'm sure you guys have all jigged a river or a river in general, you hand somebody a one-ounce jig, you know, because they want to feel bottom. Uh, I've gone to where I've used 5-H jigs, but I've also fished a lot, so it doesn't bother me. The more you do it, the less weight you can put on. And then it drops down to just, can I feel bottom? You know, that's what it breaks down to. So try to jump up and wait. It might help. Don't worry about that 45-degree angle too much. Yeah, that's, that would be my suggestion. I've Just bump f- up the weight a little bit. I've caught fish yeah. and on a weird angle you wouldn't even believe with the line six foot out the side of the boat and I'm turning, <laughs> you know. And also the, the, the deeper the water you fish, the further back your, your, your weight's going to be as well. So if you're fishing... 18 to 25 feet you're not going to have that 45 unless you're two pounding it so just you know like uh like they said yep contact Mm -hmm. with the bottom and and just keep that continuous pulling motion and you know 40 45 is just a kind of go-to number but as long as you got contact with that bottom and, and and your leads are fine you should you should catch a lot of fish good question Five or six foot shank, five or six foot shank, 
and how much more dive are you think you're getting out of a 9-11-13 uh, floater with every extra foot of a lead line? Just ballpark. Uh, well, I mean, it also depends on what size line you're using, too. You know, that all comes into play, just like if you're a trolling. I would say... Right. I, I'm, thinking, I'm not saying, like, ditto for everyone. How, how, how you think about your lure moving when you start to make those adjustments? I think about my lure. They're floating wraps and pencil plugs. They don't have much dive. Um, when you're pulling them anyway, even if you were long lining, let's say, and you got it 100 foot behind the boat, it's roughly going to be anywhere about six, seven foot if you're in nine foot of water and you're moving at a mile and a half an hour. With this, they're not diving that much. Say I put three feet in between each one of mine, I'd say they're about a foot closer to each other. If I'm running one at 10 and I'm running one at 15, I'd say there's probably at three foot in between them, they'd drop it to about two foot in between. That's one of the reasons that I use such a big shank is because if I want to put out a bunch of line, I don't have to worry about it. I can drop it down, but I'm still high in the water column. Um, you know, one of the things is, is you want to make sure you're in the water column. I think that's where fish feed. Fish on the bottom, I think they're a little more lethargic, like they don't want to bite. Even though sometimes I've had a foot lead, like I said, off the bottom, and that's been it. Lures all vary on um, what they run. I haven't seen much difference in the length other than that fish gets a little more time to grab that second lure coming by. And I think with me uh, running wraps 95% of the time, a good way I kind of gauge is if I am on that second clevis that's two feet above my sink, uh, sinker, I'll put the sinker in and I'll take my lead back and I'll let the line down, excuse me, and I'll start to see when that bait starts to go down. And then I'll say, okay, next clevis is another foot. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm two feet there. So then I'll kind of gauge my, my leader lengths from that. Um, but yeah, running, uh, shallow running wraps, you know, they say two to three feet um, with the weight of your sinker. I, I think there's about a two foot difference in my mind from your 40 foot to your 10, uh, 20 foot lead. So I think you got a nice two foot space, just uh, you know, 10 or 15 feet in difference from when the first one comes through. But that's kind of how I gauge um, how how much space that I'm I'm running at per per my setup. Yeah, probably pretty much in concurrence with what Philip just said there. Yeah, I, I mean I would pretty much say there, I would only anticipate a kind of a two to three foot window difference. Um, in between each each uh, each length you run in there, um, and I mean essentially that's pretty much what you're gonna see in that consistent when you're when you're trolling by uh, any suspended fish there. I mean it's that's that window of separation there that you're probably gonna see between those schools of fish. Um, so I mean that's probably much all you're getting, especially with uh, more like your F9s and uh, with your lipped. Uh, cranks more so than maybe you like your uh, pencil plugs, pencil plugs um, or spoons per se. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. I like how you guys said that you referred to it as glorified troll. Um, for a guy like me, I mean, this is all new. 
can this be used in inland and open water situations? Is there a particular current scheme that, we're, that one should look for? The question was, can he use this in other applications outside of the river, meaning like inland lakes and open water, things like that, this hand lining technique? I'd say most definitely. Um, you're just going to change your weight size and baits, depending on what you're going for. Uh, you know, they they use downriggers to salmon fish. I mean, if you think you could hold on to a salmon, you could probably do it for salmon. Um, current really doesn't matter because you're creating the current by moving anyway. You know, you're making your baits move. Current helps because fish sit in and out of current because that's where they feed. I think that you could do it in an inland lake with no problem. Uh, I just try to stay away from weeded areas and fish channels. I think that would be the most productive way. Hey, Paul, I'll let you know this year because uh, me and Joe have been talking about this for two years when we're out pulling boards. Man, just bring the hand lighting boat out here. We can we got to catch fish out here. <laughs> so I, I, me personally, I've never done it, um, but I think this year we're going to get – Yep. So yeah. we're going to go out on Belleville, and uh, we're even going to try it out in the lake and uh, just, you know, just try it out, and, and I'll let you know. <laughs> I, I would think, too, if the fish are relating to a certain piece of structure as well, mm -hmm. let's say that they're two, three feet off that structure, and maybe, you know, you can't dial it in with your, your planer boards or trolling or whatever. I mean, the hand lining, you should be able to just dial it exactly where you guys wanted to where it to be at least put it in front of them to see if they'll hit off of it or not i, I mean I, again i i'd like to hear how you guys do with oh, that yeah you know the, for sure yeah I, I believe any any water system that has a, a channel going through it or anything like that uh yeah i mean you should be able to perform this technique and put fish in a boat um it doesn't necessarily have to be uh predicated to just the river systems but uh definitely um a lot of lakes, like you mentioned, uh, Belleville or or Florida has a, a river kind, of, you know, kind of system running through it. Uh, with that current, you'd definitely be able to use this technique. No, no issues. Yeah, go ahead. I just got a question from my partner. Yeah, go ahead. Fire away. Hey, just I mean, you've been doing hand lining longer than I have. You taught me. Mm -hmm. My question is, is how you catch a double header on one lure? Yeah, so <laughs> so uh, last year we're out fishing, and, I mean, we got our limit in literally probably 20 minutes, and it took us longer to launch the boat and get out to our spot. And I was like, well, let's just, you know, try to catch a trophy fish. Five minutes later, he's like, oh, here it is. It, this is it. He's pulling it in, and sure enough, purple descent, F9. He's got two on the lure a third one right there coming up with the fish and I got the net out and we netted two fish on one lure and that was a first for me and and ever <laughs> since then I've been pretty jealous of that because you know, I maybe I'm just a good captain I don't know but <laughs> but uh but yeah that was that was a first for me yep go ahead I have one more question is there uh, a journal weight that you would recommend for green guys that that are just now starting, like, what, what should be some things that we should just go out and look for and buy? Oh. And I'm, I'm particularly thinking Trey River. I'd say start with, start with a pound and three-quarter. If you can find it, um, as I touched on a question earlier, 
you got to get out there and play with it. If you can't feel bottom, just get a heavier weight, and then you can eventually start dropping down. What we normally run is a pound or a pound and a half. But if you're new, try a bigger weight. It may help you feel bottom a lot better, and then you can always drop down from there. I, I know you guys talked about speed earlier, but is there a certain speed that you start at to get set up and then adjust from there to be like, hey, I, I suggest that you start at whatever, you know, 0.4 mile an hour or whatever it is, and then go up from there. At least a mile and a half an hour. Mile and a half, okay. Yeah. And for and then me, you can slow I, it down from there. Yeah, that's why I figured someone who's green and figuring yeah. it out, you know, yeah. don't I, don't try to kill yourself and go for that perfect speed right away. Mm-hmm. Get your bearings first. Yep. Yeah. And again, you can get out there one night and it's one mile an hour. The next night, it's a mile and a half or a mile and a quarter. Um, for me, I start out at one to one two, so a mile and a quarter is a good start rate, and then you just go down from there. But, but for sure, uh, you know, pound and a half to one and one and three quarter weight is a very good. I, I use it all the time as well. But uh, mainly when I'm fishing right there in the Trenton Channel, you're only at ten to eighteen feet. I'll drop down to a pound, but good pound and a half, pound and three quarter, in about a mile, mile and a quarter. What else we got? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean... Uh, what was the question? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear it. Uh, he asked about uh, rubber-coated cable. Oh, okay. um, The cable that we use is coated. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, they didn't. Uh, so I, normally when I do these, uh, what I'll do is I'll have uh, Vic Trolla. It's one of... The, I got yeah, you have to crank it up. Um, it's actually... Yeah, <laughs> I've got a couple of them. I, I don't use them either. But you crank them up uh, so it has a spring in it and retrieves the line. Now, before they didn't have the coated cable. So what they would do is they'd actually put soap on the line. So it would make it softer on your hands. <laughs> uh, but coated cable is the way to go. And then over time, it will start to fray and break. And then you just go ahead and peel it back, cut it off. Because these new spools come with uh, 300 feet of... Uh, of cable now so generally you're only fishing with 30 to 50 feet all the time so you just peel that off and i'll do that a time or two and then i'll i'll take it to e-course to a and s and get it re-spooled the water crew meet about six miles an hour in detroit river and you're going about a mile ish up up river like seven miles an hour are there certain brands of spoons that tend to work better at that speed with not being overran and around. Well, I like the stinger spoons my, myself. Yeah, Michigan, yeah, stinger. Michigan stinger. Yeah, and, and you can, and if you're getting them to roll and you're going too fast, that's just a, a, a motor speed. You don't have to do that one mile an hour. You might be 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 to keep that spoon, you know. Yeah, like normal, you're trolling like area yeah. two. Yeah. There you're got six, just having current, so. Yeah. You're not going, you're not going dead again. Yeah. 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 So like, so like when, you know, when you're using a sawtooth, when you're, when you're actually coming across the river going towards the east, you're, let me make sure I get this right, but I believe you're getting pushed back faster. So whenever you're coming back into the current, you're getting pushed back slower. So you might have to idle down coming back to the east and then get back to that, you know, um, 0.5, 0.6 whenever you're coming back to the west. So, you know, it's all probably if I'm, when I'm fishing spoons, I will will 
make sure my presentation and not pay too much attention to the GPS. I'll just make sure that my spoons are, are running correctly because, you know, with a one mile an hour wrap and I'm doing a mile an hour and, you know, your spoons are spinning, you're not going to catch any fish. So I would just keep an eye on your idle on the motor and just bring it down just a little bit until your spoons are running good. But generally you can, you can probably run right about that mile an hour with, the, with those stinger spoons. Okay, good questions. Any more? Second generation in the audience, have anything to add? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. For some of these guys that are new, maybe uh, you guys want to show uh, kind of an idea of like when you hook into your fish, if it's a bottom lead or a top lead, um, how to bring yourself into the Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so the question was is when you hook into a fish, if it's on your top lead or your bottom lead, how do you reel that fish in? How do you bring the line in compared to yeah where the where the hit is at? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what you're going to want to do is uh, when you feel a fish hit, you're not going to feel much. You're just going to feel a little tug. So you're going to want to pull forward. Now when you're coming in with your line, you're going to, your top lead's going to come in first. So once you grab your top lead, you're going to want to drop your sinker in the boat. Then you still got your fish on your top lead. Okay, you're going to pull that in and slap it in the boat. Now say I have one on my second lead. The top line, you're going to take it and put it over your head. You're going to keep it in the water. It'll stay out of your way. It'll float behind the boat. You grab your second lead and you bring that in. Now I can take that fish off right here on the boat and still leave this lead on around, around my shoulder like this. Now I can drop that lead back in, take this one, let it out, and then I can reset everything really fast. You don't have to bring them all in and drop them all the way down. You can leave the top lead if you have it on the bottom lead, but you're always gonna wanna make sure that you have that around your neck. If not, if you set it up on the side of your boat or something, the current hits or the wind blows it and then you got another lure and then you're trying to bring that in, you're gonna get tangled up with that other fish. So the best thing to do is take it, put it over your shoulder like that. You're usually running the boat here and just bring it in. Grab that fish, drop it in the boats, reset everything, take that line, drop it right back out, and you're fishing again. That's the fastest way to do it, uh, the most productive way I've seen. Does that answer the question? <laughs> Yeah. I bet you that'll be some of the growing pains that some of us that try it for the first time, we're going to have tangled and that's where those wire snips come in handy sometimes if we get too tangled up. 
the biggest up. thing is to make sure you put the sinker in the boat yeah first. i was gonna say yeah. Yeah, the sinker out of the way is probably your biggest thing i mean that's without without that in the boat and that's probably going to provide you with your most tangles and uh crossing lines and so It sure will. Uh, that's a good it sure will. Instead of bringing my sinker in, I'd use a downriver clamp, and I'd just bring it up, clamp it on, so I didn't have to bring a sinker in. I'd just stink her in, I'd just bring the lines in. But one time I had a muskie and did that, he broke it out of the thing, and I ended up wearing a pound and a half inside there. That is really fun. Boy, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I had a question. I noticed you guys keep mentioning night. Is this a technique that can be used in the daytime? Is this a, a, a midday? Yeah, this there certain conditions that you guys are looking for only that you do this, or is this a universal condition type technique? For for me, it's my go-to. Like I said, I I do it all day, all night long. Um, it produces fish almost every day. Um, I mean, windy conditions, yeah, boat control is going to struggle a little bit, but night fishing, you can produce limits within, you know, a couple hours. Um, but, yeah, during the day, you'll see guys out there, and, you know, right after sun up till, you know, well after sundown. It's a proven technique that works at all hours, all different conditions. So I, 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 I believe in this technique, and... I only jigged about 10 times last year, so yeah, I believe in it. Definitely, yeah. It's a, it's a technique you can utilize at any time. Um, uh, personally, honestly, uh, more productive, I'd say, probably at night. Um, me, personally, I like I said, I, I'm, I'm a big-time jigger, but um, when I see them suspended and they're just not – the jig bite's not going, and hey, it's uh, – uh, I definitely pull out the, uh, the hand-lining gear and uh, – uh, definitely, um, that that can make the difference. So, um, anytime. Perfect. Yeah, I definitely say anytime, any time of the day. Um, I think, like Wes said, you know, right before dark or right at dark, uh, the fish put on the feed bag. So, that's why a lot of the old timers you'll see them come out right before dark, set up, and start handlining then. I've caught fish all day doing it before. It's all on a, you know, do you want a jig or do you want to put fish in the boat? You know, um, <laughs> there's a lot of tournaments that this was actually outlawed. You couldn't do it. That's how they came up with chugging. Uh, the PWT, they wouldn't let you do it because you produce that many fish with it. And it's that productive. So they came up with chugging or whipping or land, um, pole lining. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to see it come back I'd like to see more people doing it I think it's something that's got lost you know there's no reason I think that everyone just got too fancy on their reels and rods and forgot about you only need a reel in your hand Right. Uh, I can have two lures in one hand and I don't have to set two boards I can have four lures and I have to set four, four boards you know it's fast, it's easy, it's quick. It's not that expensive to do. You know, you once you buy your lures, you're good. You know, buy 10 lures and you're pretty much good for the year. 
How does that work against you with lines in the water? So if you got three lines in the water in the state of Michigan or whatever, <clears throat> does it go by bait? Is that technically two lines on one main line? Well, it goes by hooks. You can only have so many hooks in the water in Canada. So you can see some of my lures, if you come up here, they don't have a the trailer hook on them, the back hook. So I figured guys would be fishing both sides, so that's why. Yep. Yeah, you definitely uh, depend on if you're if you're gonna fish both sides of the river, you're definitely gonna have to watch your hook count. Yep. Um, in, so definitely keep that in mind. Yep, because uh, it's two hooks in Canada, and you're allowed three poles or three baits in the U.S. Correct. So. So how many how many lines are you allowed in Canada? Two lines would take off two hook two hooks. Yeah, two leads, um, but you have to take off one hook on each lure. Front hook or the back hook, depending on which way you want to do. But yeah, two lures, um, total of four hooks you can have. I like, I like to run two, but um, if I'm trying to figure out where the fish are, I'll run three for a second. You know, two, two's uh, the best way not to get tangled, <laughs> I think. Yeah. When you put that other one three's in there, you're kind of, <laughs> yeah, you're showing off on three, you know. But uh, yeah, you can, you can always run three, you know, just you got to make sure where you're fishing. Yeah, I've caught a lot of double headers that way. You got two fish on, and you gotta <laughs> you gotta play with that, you know. And then you still got another lure that's free. Let me ask you guys: if you run, if you're running more than two leads, do you guys adjust uh, your your length? Yes. Are you keeping the same? How about you, Phil? Um, I will go shorter. If I'm running three leads, I I run a five foot lead on the bottom with a snubber, and then I go ten and twenty. So if I'm running three leads, I go shorter, less line, hopefully less tangles. Yeah, I've I've done um, you know, ten on bottom, twenty, and then thirty. You know, I'll keep it in ten foot sections. Uh, I don't think it matters. It's just how much line do you want to deal with? You know, at the same time, because we're setting our depth from the height of the shank that we're doing. You know, that's the main thing. Yeah, pretty much. I keep it simple. I run two. Um, I don't like dealing with all the tangles and stuff like that. So but you're, uh, a that's, that's you're a professional. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the way I was taught. Just run the two and keep it short and simple, sweet, short and sweet. You know, just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another reason for the long shank too. Yep. Yep. Any other questions? I haven't done it to attract other fish. Um, what I've used, uh, different bait-wise, I've used crawler harnesses, really short crawler harnesses, um, anywhere from five inches to about a foot, 
and you're still going to tie your leader on there. You know, you might do a shorter leader, uh, but that's not something you would want to put necessarily on the bottom. You would, I mean, you'd put it, you'd put it probably about 12 inches. You wouldn't want to go straight to the bottom where your, where your sinker is or anything like that. But about 12 inches or 15 inches off the bottom, you can actually run a crawler harness. And a lot of guys do that in the summer too, when everybody starts pulling out their crawler harnesses to bottom bounds. The hand lining guys will come in during the day and they'll put crawler harnesses down. Okay, well I think uh, we'll wrap it up here if there's no more questions and um, maybe just kind of go around and tell everyone where they can find you or answer questions if they got questions to send your way. Uh, PJ, we'll start with you. Yeah, just uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Philip PJ Kirk. I'm out of Taylor, Michigan. Um, you can find me basically in the Trenton Channel. But bottom line, I'm going to be visiting here, Domka, a lot more this year. Uh, met a lot of great people out here. But Facebook and uh, basically um, Facebook Messenger if you have any questions. Wes? Oh uh, Yeah, you can uh, always find me um, just on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Instagram, uh, Wes Smith Walleye Hunter. Uh, Facebook, uh, Metro Detroit Walleye Stalkers, or uh, my personal page, just uh, Wes Smith. Uh, shoot me a message, a messenger, uh, and, or uh, on um, through Instagram, through direct messenger, and uh, I'm always get back to you. There. Yeah, you can find me on um, my Facebook, Theron Hoffman, or you can find me on the Roadside Minnow Nation page. Uh, you can always shoot me a message on there, or. Send me a friend request and a private message, and we can talk if you have any questions at any time. Or Dipnet, you can find me on their website, too. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is probably through Facebook or Messenger. Awesome. I just want to thank Domka Bates and everyone for coming out today to uh, learn more about handlining and for Domka Bates uh, setting up this venue for us and giving us a spot to hang out and, and, and present. So... With that, uh, you know, thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully everyone uh, can adopt this technique and keep it alive and put more fish in the boat. All right, thank you. Thank you. Okay, go ahead and announce what you're going to give away or what the drawing was for. All right, hello, Metro Detroit Walleye Stalkers. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and announce this uh, giveaway here for the uh, Fat Boy Jigs, $40 gift certificate to the Fat Boy Jigs, and uh, for the uh, AFCO Reaper Hoodie. Um, just going to randomly select a guy here who have, uh, pretty much uh, was able to follow the rules here. Um, I, one thing I must say, Fat Boy Jigs, they're some of the best jigs I have used on the Detroit River, period, jigging. And then uh, this AFCO Reaper hoodie, I mean, guys, you, 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 must, you must grab it. The best hoodie, period. I mean, I've, I've gone through all the other brands out there, and... I mean, I've used this hoodie all winter long, pretty much by itself. So uh, grab that, that that hoodie, that Reaper hoodie. Uh, but the uh, winner of this giveaway will be uh, Clayton Coleman. Uh, so Clayton Coleman, um, pretty much, buddy, uh, just going to send me a message. And um, I'll send you a message and tag you and uh, give me your address. And um, hopefully you can enjoy this hoodie, buddy, and um, these jigs, these fat boy jigs. Thank you for this for participating and uh we'll see you guys on the river congrats clayton all right there you go and that's all everybody that's episode number 20 in the books i want to thank wes philip and theron for coming on the podcast to to share all that great knowledge about handlining and taking us to the next step in getting us set up 
uh, especially for everyone out there who's serious about this. I hope that was very beneficial for you. And I'd like to hear your guys' stories or your success on the water. And, you know, like Darren, Philip, and Wes said, don't be afraid to reach out to them, ask questions, you know, write them a message or whatever. And I also want to thank Domka Bates. And uh, if you guys live in the Southeast Michigan area or you're driving along 75, that's at the uh, La Pleasance Road exit. You guys can go in there. They've got a ton of selections for baits. They also have an indoor archery range as well. And I just want to thank Domka Bates for hosting the venue for us to come there and talk about hand lining. Please check them out at www.domkaoutdoors.com and see what they have to offer over there. And I will catch you guys right back here on another episode of the podcast. So in the meantime, as always, follow, subscribe, give a five-star rating if you want to. And I will see you guys here next time. Thanks for listening.